Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, hustlers. We know that this 2024, the entrepreneurial journey is filled with challenges. An often overlooked aspect is the time-consuming task of processing payroll and managing government requirements. And did you know that the average admin spends a whopping 50 hours per month dealing with just government compliance? That's time you could be spending on growing your business, or let's be honest, taking a well-deserved break. But fear not, we got a game changer for you, introducing Sprout Solutions and their tailored solutions for MSMEs called the Payroll Starter. With Sprout Solutions Payroll Starter, you can finally reclaim your time and get your life back on track. Say goodbye to the stress of remembering tax dates or worrying about missed payroll runs. This bundle is designed to make your life easier and your business more efficient. And here's the best part. The cost starts just at 5,000 pesos per month for businesses with up to 10 employees. Yep, you heard that right. That's just 5,000 pesos per month. So why spend another minute routing in payroll paperwork when Sprout can revolutionize the way you manage your payroll and government requirements? Take the first step towards a more efficient business today. Visit sprout.ph slash payroll starter monthly 5k. If you missed that, don't worry. We have it in the description box of this episode. So click that too. And again, big shout out to Sprout Solutions because your time is too valuable to be spent on paperwork. Reclaim it with their payroll starter. Now let's begin this episode. The Hustle Share Podcast is brought to you by B21, a platform which helps you start your journey with cryptocurrencies. Visit b21.io slash hustleshare and get $2 upon signing up. Also by Ideaspace, a nonprofit supporting innovation and technopreneurship as a path to nation building. Ideaspace runs an annual startup competition. For more information, make sure to sign up for their newsletter at ideaspacefoundation.org slash connect. Also powered by Podmetrics, the only analytics platform you'll ever need for your podcast. Sign up now at podmetrics.co for free and use the code HUSTLESHARE. Filipinos are the kindest, most warm-hearted people I, I, I met. And I started to realize that resilience to deal with these problems and to live through it and be happy, that's the thing that captivated me. Welcome to HUSTLESHARE. The podcast that features the daily grinds of unique hustlers around the world to show not our differences, but that our hustles are very much alike. Now here's your host, Ronster Beteong. Welcome to episode 107 of the Hustle Share Podcast. My name is Ronster, and I'm your host. And this episode is powered by B21, a platform which helps you start your journey with cryptocurrencies. We are a proud affiliate of the Podcast Network Asia, but before we begin, we'd like to remind you that this podcast contains not safe for work language. So make sure there are no kids when you're listening to this. Because today we're going to be having one of the most successful founders in the on-demand service economy of the Philippines. And his name is Shahab Shabibi of Maikuya. Now before Shahab tells us how he got his first startup acquired in just 8 months, we will go all the way back 
and start out in Iran where he grew up doing internet business at a young age like music review forums and the largest sports news site in Iran until he decided to go to the Philippines to study here. And he will also share how he had to adjust living here and found opportunities for problems to solve using technology. And then Shahab is also going to share what it was like joining a carpooling startup founded by Rocket Internet, which unfortunately failed. However, he didn't quit because he decided to create his first startup called Hey Kuya, which got acquired in just eight months after they put it up. And then he will also share what it was like creating a venture builder through his next venture called Machine Ventures, where they help fellow betting technopreneurs create their own startups from scratch. And it wasn't all easy because Shahab will share what led to him creating My Kuya out of the rubbles from Hey Kuya along with what he did differently this time with a unique business model and how they scaled up organically despite the pandemic. Now stick around till the end because he shared a lot of amazing advice that you can apply in your hustle as an entrepreneur or a budding technopreneur. So if you're ready to learn the hustle behind my kuya, let's begin this episode right now. Welcome to the latest episode of the Hustle Share Podcast. We finally got this guy. I've been wanting to get this guy for, man, how many times have we tried to do this? <laughs> Yeah, I think I think it's probably five, six times in the past yeah, uh, year or far, two. So <laughs> the one, you're the hardest one to get on the show. And no, it's not your fault. Uh, it's not my fault either. It's just you know, shit happens every time. Well, hopefully yeah. this time it happens. I let's just blame the year 2020 for this job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's what everyone's doing, swing. right? <laughs> but before I get carried away, let's welcome to the show, Mr. Shahab Shabibi of My Kuya. Thanks for the invite, man. It's, it's really good to be here, and I'm very excited to share our story and our hustle uh, uh, with your with your audience. Thank you, bro. Again, um, you you said you've you've listened to some of the episodes and whatnot, so now it's your turn again. You should have been way, 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 way earlier in the game, <laughs> but again, finally we're fucking yeah. doing this, so I'm just happy that we get to dis- discuss it. But before anything else, I need to ask you the million dollar question, man. Um, Shahab, what's your hustle? What's my hustle? So my hustle is to build, uh, I would say, solutions from grounds up Mm -hmm. and do it in a way where in the very beginning, it's like it's all about the hustle. It's all about, you know, hard work and being clever and I would say finding fast and cheap ways to test out ideas and then get them into motion. And then once they sort of get going, you know, start to, uh, you know, build in technology into it and, and, you know, make it more scalable and all. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, what, what really gets me going is sort of picking a problem and then building the solution for it uh, fast and cheaply in the beginning and then ultimately more technologically advanced and scalable as it goes, uh, goes down. That is amazing. Now, Shahab, I wanna I wanna uh, go all the way back because uh, we're gonna go back to Tehran, okay? Uh, but we're not gonna ride a plane because we're gonna ride <laughs> the Hustle Share Time Machine. Oh, dude, this is gonna get crazy. We're gonna go through the Himalayas wow. and shit, and we're back to Tehran. Okay, so again, I've known you for for a while now, but I've never actually gotten to ask you. 
what it was like growing up? Because obviously you didn't grow up here. You spent a significant ch- chunk of your teenagehood here. But I want to understand what it was like growing growing up in Ira- Iran. Um, uh, especially, um, it was there, uh, you know, inklings of entrepreneurship that you you got from people that are, that are around you, your family or whatnot. What was that like? Yeah, yeah. So happy, happy to share that. Actually, you know, the crazy thing is that there's uh, like no, no one in our family is 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 into entrepreneurship. So I would say wow. that's kind of a new thing uh, for for us in general. But I was also pretty lucky that I I grew up, you know, traveling. Um, you know, mm-hmm. because of my family's work, we were sort of traveling and mm-hmm. living in different places. Uh, so that, that kind of got me, you know, early on exposure to, to different cultures and all. Mm-hmm. And I would say one thing that I really considered myself to be lucky about was that I still grew up on the streets, you know, when I was very young, like playing on the streets, playing football all day mm-hmm. after school, you know, from the age of, I don't know, four or five. Wow. Uh, that was, that was like pretty amazing. Right. And I guess, you know, you don't get much of that nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the magical thing that happened is when I first got my hands on an ADSL connection. Uh, oh. I remember like I got this like 128 uh, kilobytes per second wow. connect <laughs> that you didn't have to disconnect because your mom wanted to pick up the phone and call someone. And that was like really, really special for me. And I remember I was, I was, I think seven years years old eight years old i literally just learned writing and uh, reading and writing and i had gotten my hands on that and i literally started blogging that was like the first thing i did uh, on the internet and i remember i was so proud of my blog because i would yeah it was it was like pretty crazy i i mean looking back you know it seemed like uh, at the time it didn't seem like anything special but I remember I got my hands on the internet and I saw this thing that, you know, uh, people were blogging. So then I was like, I'm going to start blogging too. So I started writing about the websites I visit and what I do on, on the internet and, you know, how it works and all. Mm-hmm. So that kind of gave me, I would say, exposure to the internet world. And I remember I, I had this one post, I think maybe after a few months of blogging, I had this one post where I introduced like the top 30 websites that I would visit and what I do there. And that thing just went, you know, quite viral uh, where I would like, I got like 20, 30,000 visitors on that post and hundreds of comments. And it just blew my mind. Like I I was probably eight year, eight or nine years old at that time. And I was like, this thing is crazy. Like, you know, I can talk to this many people and there's like this many things that I could do there. Mm. So I would say that was probably one of the most sort of magical uh, moments uh, for me. Mm-hmm. And after that, I was like, yeah, being on, you know, Yahoo Messenger chat rooms after school, like I, I would get right. home at like 4 p.m. and I would be on my computer the whole day uh, and, and stay up late and, you know, just meet people online. And, and it was, mm-hmm. you know, uh, quite, quite, quite an experience. Right. And I literally ended up, you know, being in, in, a, in, a, in a Yahoo chat room where people were talking about how hard it is to download music. Right. Mm-hmm. It, it was this, this problem that people were talking about. And yeah. then I literally met my to be sort of business partner uh, <laughs> over there where we were like, oh, we will make a website for, you know, downloading music. And this was nice. sort of targeted to the Iranians 
that wanted to download music easily. Mm -hmm. So I, I think I was maybe, I think I was, yeah, I, th I was 13 at the time. Mm -hmm. um, and we ended up sort of, uh, he, he was much older than me. I think it was like 25, mm -hmm. 26 at the time. Mm -hmm. And he was a programmer. So then we went and we started a music site that mm -hmm. made it, it's you know easy for people to download music and uh, where you know come there download music we would set up a forum you know at that time forum was all the all the craze right so we set up a sort of a forum we attracted the music critics so then new music would come in and our forum members would analyze it and the artists would come in because they were excited to hear about what people think about their music so we ended up building a community around that and uh that that was kind of Probably yeah, that was the first time I made money. So uh, wow. it, was, it was it was pretty what? good. Yeah, dude, I was doing a lot of stupid shit in the internet at that age, <laughs> and I yeah. was I was in websites I'm not supposed to be, right? <laughs> and here you are as a kid yeah. making money. What the fuck was I doing? But you know, hand tied twenty twenty. At the end of the day, one thing a lot of startup entrepreneurs as well that I've seen do is that they're all digital natives and they were all glued to their computer one way or another uh, when they were younger. And I totally agree because I, I was the same, right? Um, uh, whenever I Yeah, it's home, magical, you, right? Correct. And you know, it's you, like, it's so different. a lot of time uh, do, being in that platform, right? And just interacting with friends, it's, it's, it's ingrained in us. Yep, yep. It's crazy because until today, I still have, you know, many friends I've met maybe over 10, 15 years ago. And I literally met them online because the early days of internet, at least in Iran, it felt like a community, right? It's like people knew each other. It's like you say hi to anyone you meet who speaks the same language because that was right. kind of how it was. And I, I met good friends from there and, you know, talking to an audience, talking to people. And while I was traveling, you know, while our family was moving between places, mm -hmm. that was the best way for me because I would literally lose my friends whom I meet physically because I wouldn't see them for extended times. So internet was, was the first choice for me. Correct. That's amazing. Now, okay. Um, after, you know, you, you've then made money, uh, walk us through your, your, your whole journey then if, 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 like at least growing up and then probably set settling here in the Philippines. Again, uh, you said your, your family moved around a lot and I think they're in the, uh, they're diplomats. Let's just call it that. Right. And, um, how did you end up here in the Philippines? Because I, I, I remember you, one of your, you forgot his name. He said he was your best friend in Mapua, right? And uh, he was telling me a story of how you didn't like the Philippines from the start. And then all of a sudden, you just fell in love with it. Right. Um, yeah. Got his name. He was. Uh, he was a devil. Albert. Well. Albert. Yeah, yes. Albert. Shout out to you. Sorry, yeah. Albert. If I forgot yeah. you. But I remember we talked about this in Starbucks <laughs> in Capital Commons. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. What, tell us yeah. the story of you know how you got here and what was it like? Because again, sure. uh, Iranian culture, and you know uh, Philippines, uh, though they're pretty much in this in in Asia, there's stark differences about how we do our shit. Yeah, no, it's, it's very different. So actually, yeah, after the music thing, I kind of started getting bored. My partner ended up opening a record label and a studio, and he was going into the physical space. I was staying out of it. I was like, I'm more interested in the digital aspects of it. Okay. And then I ended up meeting other, a bunch of new friends, uh, this time on Facebook. Mm. And we ended up, you know, setting up what is now the largest 
sports news sites in, in Iran. It has What? like five, ten million readers a month. It's like the top five most visited websites. It's called Taraf Dari. Wow. Uh, which kind of translates to fan base. So uh, wow. it's yeah, so that was that was my my second experience. And it was actually at that time where where my family was moving to the Philippines. Mm. And I remember so vividly because uh It was it was an important football tournament that literally yep. just made our website fly. Like mm -hmm. we became the number one sort of news site when you search for any sports news online uh -huh. on Google because we were publishing a thousand articles a day, and we What? were doing it faster and better than you know any. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty crazy. We ended up getting like a hundred contributors, and we said you know pick news uh, in the sports world, translate it, publish it, cite the original source. And put your name as the translator, uh, and that was, you know, that kind of made us, you know, be the top content producer for sports news. Mm. And it was about that time where my family, uh, you know, had to had to move to the Philippines, and I was crazy about that. So I was like, no, this thing is going crazy. I want to, you know, spend my time about making it happen and all. Right. And uh, but I I ultimately ended up moving to the Philippines. I think it was sometime in 2010, oh, wow. um, and. Uh, that was that was my first experience, and mm -hmm. it kind of got me into remote working as well. Uh, mm -hmm. I would be like in school during the day, and then you know, 3 p.m. You know, get online. Worked well, pretty much with the time zone differences as well, and you know, just mm -hmm. stay up until I don't know 2 a.m. Uh, and you know, coming into the Philippines, it was such a different experience. You know, mm -hmm. it's like super different. And I initially like I was like. This country doesn't have infrastructure. There are no roads. It's always traffic. Yeah. It's like there are all these things. So that I would say shocked me in the very beginning. And I signed up. I signed up for school. I went to yeah, as you mentioned, I went to Mapua, and I was not really finding the classes so interesting. So that was like my yeah. general, you know, initial observation. Mm -hmm. uh, but then I started getting into it. Right. I think the main thing that was uh, like the the big change was. Okay, why is it this way, right? Like I started asking myself that. I was like, okay, there is lack of infrastructure. There is, you know, quality of education can be much better. There are all these sort of challenges. Mm -hmm. But then I started asking, why is it this way? Yeah. And started realizing that it's because you know no one has solved these problems. And this general public, I mean, Filipinos are the kindest, most warm-hearted people I I, I met. Mm -hmm. And I started to realize that resilience to deal with these problems and to live through it and be happy, that's the thing that captivated me. And I was, mm -hmm. I would say that's something I realized only while studying, right? Because mm -hmm. I was meeting my classmates, asking about their stories, asking about their background, their families. And mm -hmm. I realized that it's the total opposite of Iran. And I'll tell you why. In mm -hmm. Iran, we have everything. Right. Okay. There's great roads, great infrastructure, great weather, all the resources available. But then people are complaining all the time. Right. right. And, and no one is willing to do anything about it. And then in the Philippines, it was a situation where there was lack of infrastructure, lack of resources. But then people were happy. They were doing their best. They would mm -hmm. you know, work very hard. And I was like, where would I rather be? And mm -hmm. I chose to be around people who are willing to sort of live happily, work very hard and, and do what needs to be done and, and, and sort of started to see myself more with the Filipino people in terms of mindset, in terms of approach, because 
that's the thing that kind of really like got me staying. That that's mm-hmm. literally the thing. Mm-hmm. In a very initial over in a very initial view where I was just seeing the surface of things, it didn't look anything, you know, interesting. But once I got to know the people, their right. stories, their backgrounds, how mm-hmm. hard their parents like in our school, I realized how hard the parents had to work to send yep. their children to college. And, and that too. that's like, not easy, man. It's, yeah. it's that's the, one of the top schools <laughs> in the Philippines. Yeah. Banatao came from Mapua. Come on now, right? That's yeah, how yeah. Crazy it's, it is. it's also expensive, right? I mean, yep. I, I saw how families had to save up their entire lives to send you know one child to to college, whereas mm-hmm. in our country, it's everything is free, right? So no mm-hmm. one even questions that you know. Sometimes, like families, have to make a lot of sacrifices to send right. their children to college in the Philippines. So, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, that starts to make sense, you know. And I started mm-hmm. to see uh, the the resilience and the hard work that people have to put just to get their life going every day. Okay. And I was like, that's the crowd I want to be part of, and that's the crowd I want to be, you know, growing up around. And mm-hmm. I was like, what am I doing with my life? I ran a music site. I ran a sports site. Like. Let's be real. No one was dying without music or sports. You know, it's yeah. it's entertainment, right? Whereas in the Philippines, I started to see these more fundamental challenges, mm-hmm. right? Like st- spending all this time in traffic. So actually, my first job after, uh, you know, uh, getting out of college was joining Rocket Internet. Wow, you and, did Rocket. You know, and which 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 company yeah. did you get? get so this was Tripta. Oh. So Tripta, the carpooling app. Uh, and right. that was the thing. I was like, I'm gonna, you know, do my best to solve the traffic problem because that's mm-hmm. something that's really pissing me off. And I mm-hmm. believe that if we start to make traffic situation better, mm-hmm. uh, you know, people would all have a better life. And that's sort of something I can get behind of and, and okay. you know, work hard on. So, mm-hmm. and carpooling seemed like the no-brainer choice, right? Like right. that's the easy choice you can. You, the, that's the easy thing you can do immediately to improve the traffic situation. Absolutely. Now, my last question before we take our first break. Carpooling uh, in the early stages, 2013, 2014, 2015, was uh, literally bombarded with a lot of regulation and government pushback. I know one founder, one of your competitors, Stripid, who went through a yeah. shitload of fucking stuff and they couldn't even get yeah. it. I always say it. like you know, they just If they came in just a couple years later, they would have made it. But again, they 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 got through the government's uh full wrath per se. In Tripda, uh that didn't really turn out well as well. Um, what were the biggest things of why uh despite of yeah. our, your mighty efforts, it didn't work? Yeah, yeah. So that's actually so so Michael of Tripid, uh huh. we ended up becoming friends because once we started to see his challenges, we were like, okay, we we have, a, <laughs> we have a bigger problem. Yeah, we have a bigger problem together. We are not yeah. really competition. Um, and that was literally the same thing. So I remember us, you know, taking meetings with senators and congressmen and talking to uh, LTFRB and trying to kind of get this thing going. Mm-hmm. And I remember there was this one meeting that LTFRB invited uh, us. It was alongside with Uber, Grab, yeah. uh, Easy Taxi uh, at the time. And they were like, we want to regulate this and you can't you know, do this without <laughs> permits. And yeah. of course, uh, after that, we, we had a call with, uh, with the headquarters mm-hmm. and we said, look, this is the situation in the Philippines. You know, most of our users at that time were students yeah. uh, and they were carpooling with each other. Like we had secured 
a bunch of like carpooling parking slots in the major universities in the Philippines. Wow. That was kind of going really well. In fact, out of the 13 countries that Tripta was active on, while Philippines was the last priority, uh, that the last market they decided to launch at, we were number three in terms of you know wow. performance. Uh, but then they were like, look, if the government wants to make every single carpooler get a permit, like no student or employee who is doing it for not for profit is going to get the license. So that was sort of when Rocket decided to pull the plug, which you know made sense at the time. Uh, it was like, yeah, I mean, because because unlike Uber and Grab, you know, yeah. our services were not for profit. Like someone would pay twenty pesos to go from Makati to Q to QC wow. because he's just pitching in for gas <laughs> yeah. to his buddy. You know, it's like they are not going to get a license and you know do do yeah. all those things because they're just friends. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was that was part of the problem, and that yeah. was the end of uh, Tripta. Mm -hmm. But uh, I want to deep dive a little bit on the Rocket experience because I have known so many, I've had so many guests here who are former Rocket. I'm technically former Rocket because my first job was in Groupon and I was in sales, and that really fucking oh cool gave me the 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 skills and you know the uh, yes the swag that you need to to, to get through <laughs> because it, they really forge uh, they literally make you from the a diamond in the rough and put you through immense fire to become, you know, a real diamond. For you, Shahab, what were those skills that you learned uh, and, and the realizations and the learnings that you got from that rocket experience that you still have till now? Yeah, though. So I think one, so, so I think there were a few things that were amazing. Number one, it was being surrounded by a bunch of young, hardworking uh, people who, who wanted to get things done, right? I think that was very valuable because for me before that, it was pretty much a solo journey, right? Yeah. Like, uh, you know, sitting behind my computer all day, you know, not even meeting my teammates and trying to do everything online and, you know, running on self-motivation to, to work very hard. That's one thing. But then I when you're in a group of, yeah, when you're in a group of, you know, 15, 20 people, and we were from all different ventures, right? Uh, right. And, and from all different cultures, all different backgrounds, right. and all sort of pretty much in our early, uh, early years of uh, career and just mm -hmm. being given this immense sort of responsibility uh, to, to, to make something happen. That was really amazing. Mm -hmm. The other thing that was really good was it was someone else's money. Like that was my <laughs> first experience where someone else was paying for it. I was like, that's pretty amazing, right? I, I can just spend money and, you know, uh, not worry about uh, that aspect. I mean, wow. when I joined Tripta, uh, mm -hmm. I, I was the first person in the Philippines to, to be coming on board. And they had just raised $13 million dollars. What? Uh, for, for 13 countries. So I was like, this is crazy, right? Someone has, else has raised the money. They are like, hey, come and build it. That's like pretty fun for me uh, because mm -hmm. before we had to hustle for every single dollar, right? Absolutely. And uh, that was that was a big struggle. I mean, many times we didn't even have money. We just had to, you know, get some ad revenue. Actually, just one, one quick flashback uh -huh. uh, to, to the sports site. I remember we had started the website for about three, four months at that time. Mm -hmm. And uh, we had, you know, lost our, our revenue. I mean, we hadn't made any revenue at that time. And I remember we got this contract from LG to put a banner promoting their new TV on our website. And they paid us $500. It was amazing. That was like the best $500 I've ever gotten. Uh, so that was where it was coming from, right? And then there was this company got $13 million 
and you know they were like giving you all the responsibility. That was amazing. That's uh, so. I think yeah, given gi being given that immense responsibility and being around hardworking people, yeah. like we were working 12, 14 hours a day. That was really, really fun for me. Uh, that, that's that's the biggest takeaway I got from that period. All right. Now, let's take our first break. And when we come back, let's now talk about how the machine was built. But let's talk about that more after the break. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns. Hey guys, I have a very, very exciting opportunity I want to share with you guys. If you're a B2B startup founder, listen up. Your ticket to growth is here. Introducing Impact24, the Philippines' largest B2B SaaS challenge. Calling all startups in their pre-launch, pre-seed, or seed stages. This is your chance to accelerate your growth. Submit your pitch to Impact24 and get ready for a 10-week intensive program to elevate your solution. What's in it for you? How about up to 500,000 pesos in MVP project support, exclusive credits from industry partners, personalized mentoring, and a shot to pitch at SASCON PH, the country's biggest SAS conference this April. But yo, you gotta hurry up because submissions close on January 26, 2024 already. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your startup to new heights. Apply now at sasschallenge.ph. That's sasschallenge.ph. And good luck and I'll see you guys in Impact 24. And we're back from the break. We're still with Shahab Shabibi, who's now told us how he fell in love with the Philippines and how he, you know, got the jolt that he needs through working with uh, with Rocket Internet and Tripta. So after you know the the plug was pulled on Tripta, what did you do next? Because um, again, this is where I actually found out about you. Uh, and how did I guess machine ventures come into life? Yeah, yeah. So. So I think, you know, Rocket gave me a lot of sort of good experiences and they were two types. There were a lot of things that I would want to do and a lot of a lot more of it were things that I don't want to do ever again. Right. I think, okay. uh, you know, Rocket had had a lot of sort of practices that I didn't want to carry on. Sure. 
And it was sort of this search for the next opportunity. They actually offered me to go to other countries. Uh, but I, at that point, I was like dead serious about doing something in the Philippines because, you know, letting go of a venture we worked so hard on and the reason for it being regulatory reasons, I was like, okay, so it's not always about the solution. Like you got to, you know, be in a certain framework and, you know, not piss off certain people and be aware of the regulatory hurdles that are there. So that even made me more committed to kind of do something meaningful uh, in, in the Philippines. And that was around the time that I met my, you know, now co-founder, Farouk Mirali. Farouk? Uh, who had, yeah, so, so Farouk, I've, uh, you know, we were kind of getting to know each other and we were having these conversations and, you know, his background was also pretty fascinating. I mean, you know, coming from a totally different world, you know, studying in the best universities in the world and then working at the biggest pharmaceutical companies and then coming to the Philippines to build his uh, health tech venture, Clinica. Mm. That was kind of a fascinating story, but we kind of had this alignment where we wanted to try new things and we wanted to do more things and build things in the Philippines specifically as, uh, you know, we were both sort of in that falling in love with the Philippines stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Timely. Um, and, and, you know, out of all the things that I could do, I realized, you know, coming together with Farouk and working on building new startups and picking problems and building the solutions around them, that's the thing I wanted to do for the rest of my life. So that was the most aligned, right? Like everything else would have been temporary, right? I was talking to a couple of, you know, now very big startups. They were giving me, you know, very exciting opportunities. But when I reflected on what I really, really want to do, I saw I did something in music. I did something in sports. I did something in transportation. And there is nothing common in these industries, right? right. Like these are very totally different industries. So I realized what makes me, you know, get going is to build a solution. It's to work on a product. It's to, mm -hmm. you know, give birth to an idea and build a business out of it, make it viable and do all that. So that was the most aligned thing. And that's how we built uh, Machine Ventures. Mm -hmm. But actually, it was not Machine that came first. It was Heikuya that was, ah, that was first. So yes. I was like, you know, I was like, Farouk, like, look at it. How much of a headache it is to get things done. There are so many people without jobs, yet there are so many people who don't have time to do anything. So why don't we try to bridge the gap and, you know, the reason was at that time, SMS was really big, right? Everyone was yep. texting all the time. I mean, you know, Manila is the, is the capital of, of uh, texting in the world, right? Yep. So we were like, if we do it through SMS, that will be big. And it will be something that everyone can use. And it will be something that, you know, will also give people jobs. Yeah. So it kind of had that, you know, purpose into it as well. Mm -hmm. And that's how we ended up, you know, starting Heikuya. In fact, from the time that we got the idea mm -hmm. until we sort of launched our website and got our first hundred customers, it took five days. What? And yeah, like literally, because it was like, we were very flexible, right? I was like, look, mm -hmm. I can build anything now. Mm -hmm. And hey, this idea seems good, but stop talking about the idea over and over. Let's just try it out got and it. get going. So that was the first experience and machine came out of that. Like we were like, okay, if we build Heikuya, then machine is going to be the company that starts to build these companies and we can test out a few more ideas after. Got it. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's literally a machine. It's like a, 
venture builder model uh, that a lot of people actually try to do, but they don't understand that it takes a super founder to actually get this done because you know you're birthing startups uh, simultaneously, and some of them will work, some of them will not. But one thing that uh, what you've been able to do with Hekuya is that it worked, and I remember this correctly. Uh, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I hopefully I am correct that you were the fastest acquisition ever in this in yeah. the land of the Philippines. It's eight months, correct? Since since conception, yes. uh, Chatbot PH when I sold was twelve months. Like oh man, I couldn't do the eight months. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's virtually oh. fucking impossible. It's so hard to do that, you know. Um, but um, again, how did you get to that point where uh, you you were acquired by Yes Boss? Uh, or get get magic right that was the name uh, of, of the of they the, were they were yes boss so they were okay, yeah yes they boss. were yes boss now they are called kata.ai uh so so actually the, the way it went is that yeah we just got the idea going people loved it i mean i've never seen anything quite like it which is mm-hmm. so many people it was like all the media all the newspapers they were just talking about this idea and we literally spent zero pesos on any sort of marketing or promotional initiatives. It was just the way people loved the service and talked about it. And I remember we were at this stage where we were like, okay, we now need to raise some money. Uh, so then we started looking around, talked to some VCs, talked to you know, some companies there. And I remember there was this one VC that we were talking to and they were like, hey, we just invested in this company called Yes Boss, and you, know, you should have a chat with them. So then we had a chat with them and we were like, hey guys, this is what we are doing. It was actually quite similar, but mm-hmm. our growth in the Philippines was, was quite, I would say, meteoric, right? Mm-hmm. And the, the, the discussion came around, which is, uh, you know, they, they just had closed funding mm-hmm. and they had just kind of got, got, got the money. And the idea came that, hey, if, if Yes Boss acquires Heikuya, they could, you know, invest further in its growth. Yep. and tag team together and go forward and you know that that could be you know quite an exciting opportunity mm-hmm. uh so that's that's how it came about we met with them a few times i mean had a bunch of calls and then mm-hmm. you know they ended up flying down to manila uh we had a conversation i mean they saw the engagement that the, the the way people love the service that that i would say that the volume of just transactions that we were getting in a very early stage without spending money on marketing with very little resources and they were like you know are we gonna we're gonna we're gonna buy you so so that was that was quite fun um and uh yeah that's how it happened okay now i have a question because people always ask me this too and i want to get your perspective because um people now in hindsight always like ron how how why did you set sell so early right uh there must have there must have been something that pushed you to do this because I mean, there's. I'm pretty sure you also went through like, you know what? I can do it. Do it on my own too. But at the end of the day, there's this irresistible offer that I'm not sure if I'm gonna get again, right? Uh, that made me say yes, mm-hmm. and that's what happened in chatbots. Like, shoot, how many fucking startups in the Philippines actually get an offer to get acquired? And here it is in yeah. front of me, and I'm gonna say no. I'm not sure if I'm gonna be able to sleep. After, after if I if I yeah. if I said no to this, and you know it doesn't really matter because at the end of the day I was also curious what it was like because I came from uh, loss right in 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 party file, 
I, yeah. I lost everything in that startup. And it's like, I'm, I'm I was curious. Big, what do, uh, I was yeah. using your app, by the way. Yep, I remember. Follow, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> and I was just yeah. curious, like, what is it like in the other side of the fence? You know, yeah. if I cross the bridge, so what is it like there? Now, there are things that, again, uh, I wish I knew when I did that decision because now hindsight 2020, I should have been more, again, spent more due diligence on what happens after the acquisition. And that's uh, something that I should have done better. But yeah, wouldn't have I change it? No. But for you, I wanna I wanna understand your your thought process when you guys decided that. Yeah, let's take this offer. Yeah. Let's work with Yes Boss. I'm pretty sure it's not all rainbows and butterflies after. But I wanna go into that thought process that went through when you decided to pull the trigger. Yeah. So actually, for us, it was a question of what's the downside, right? Mm. Like, what's the worst thing that can happen? So so we actually saw two scenarios, right? One was, uh, you know, we get acquired by them and they have more money than us and they fuel the growth. And, you know, we do these amazing things and we grow together. Uh, I actually like the founding team of YesBoss very much. Like, you know, we, we had amazing chats together. Mm-hmm. So, so that, was, that was a good part of it. And then on the other side, we were like, what's the worst case, right? And we were like, the worst case is that the company goes down. Mm-hmm. And at that time, we have capital, right? Because they paid us uh, to, mm-hmm. to buy the company that kind of, you know, fueled and funded us so that the next ventures that we can build are, are you know, uh, with, with better starting capital. And I would say a large part of it was that uh, belief in ourselves as entrepreneurs that I was like, there are so many problems in the Philippines that if Heikuya, for any reason, goes down beyond my control after this, I still have the money to go have and solve a bigger problem that I'm passionate about. And that's totally fine. Like that, I'm totally okay with that. So it was really like, I didn't see much downside in it. I mean, in fact, you see, I mean, now there's my Korea, right? It's bigger than Hey Korea. It's yeah. more exciting for me. I mean, that's sort of something that came out of it. Uh, so, so I would say I was like, yeah, what's, what's the downside? Uh, in terms of what happens to the company after acquisition, I think I made a similar mistake to you, yeah. uh, which is, uh, yeah, after after we got acquired, uh, I think company kept running for about a year. Yeah. And then after that, uh, they changed their direction. Now they are in artificial intelligence, natural language processing software. Oh, shit, that's shit. And that was, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually, yeah, they are. They are. So now they're like the Facebook partner for, for uh, AI in Indonesia. And that was like a totally different direction than what we were going after. And they came to me one day and they were like, hey, this is the direction that we want to take running an operational business like Hey Kuya or even Yes Boss at, a, at that model is no longer what they wanted to do. Wow. So I was like, okay, whatever. You know, that was that was very painful to go through. Yeah. But um, in, in all honesty, like we, we, had, we had gotten paid at that time. And exactly. we could go build something else. So exactly, was, and you can sleep with your, that mistake. And at the end of the day, again, <laughs> there, there's collateral damage, obviously, right? That that uh, in hindsight, you shit. I should have known that better. Yeah. But at the end of the day, if you weigh it all up, and I I I still feel the same. The wins are way 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 more than the losses, right? It's it's yep. it is what it is. Yeah. And if you ask me, uh, I'm I, and I want to find out what what's your answer for this. Would you have done it again? The same shit. I would have done it. I would have done it again. I would have done it. Ditto. Because, you know, I was like, I was like, okay, what did really happen? And I realized we made my career out of it. Had Yes Boss not changed direction, 
right. we wouldn't haven't done my career, mm. right? So it's it's pretty good. I'm, I'm I'm very happy with the direction that we have with with my career, and I believe that had it not been for Yes Boss's change of direction, uh, we wouldn't have gotten to building my career, and I wouldn't have traded that for it. But that's good because. Well, the the cool thing is you still was able to restart the same vision, just a different name, because before it was hey, and now it's my kuya. Um and there wasn't a clause where you couldn't do something and, and do that. Um at, at least you were still able to go through this original vision that you were able to do in my kuya. Uh so that's great. Uh and now the difference is you have your own resources uh to actually get it done, right? Without yeah. having to to worry about oh shit, how am I gonna do customer acquisition, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Hey Kuya was about being a SMS-based personal assistant. Right. Actually, what we are doing with MyKuya is even a level higher because mm-hmm. what I realized was, you know, there was this point at Hey Kuya where we were doing about two, 3,000 transactions a day. Right. And I was like, it's so manual. Like, we had so much trouble managing our own Kuyas. Yeah. And we realized how hard it is to know who's where, doing what, who should mm-hmm. be matched with who, who is earning how much, all these challenges. Mm-hmm. And then when I started looking into it, I was like, okay, this is not only our problem. This is the problem of every sort of labor-intensive right. business. Look at the logistics ones. Look at the cleaning service providers. It was across the whole sort of industry. Mm-hmm. So the solution that MyQuia went after was that we saw immense demand for services that HeyQuia was offering, but all the problems were on the supply side, all the mm-hmm. headaches, all the challenges. So... What we did very differently with hey, with MyKuya was, what if we build almost the operating system for an on-demand business, right? That manages the workforce, that gives visibility to the management, that enables businesses to make smarter decisions. And that's what we do at MyKuya. In fact, even until today, none of the services that are provided in MyKuya are provided by MyKuya itself. Wow. It's actually provided by what we call as our franchisees, which are, which are companies that come to us, we give them our software, we give them our processes, our technology, our brand, and all that. And we are like, now you can manage your workforce much more intelligently, right. much more scalably, and you can connect to your customers a lot faster. Mm-hmm. And that was exactly the pain point that Heikuya had. Mm-hmm. So if I were to say, I would say MyKuya would have probably been a service provider to Heikuya. Um, that's that's kind of the the fundamental difference. So you went B to B with it on the demand side, technically, or the supply side. Sorry, the the, the supply Honestly, side. Yes, yeah, yeah. So today, you know, my Korea, we we don't manage our labor. Uh, mm. It's not they are not working with us, but they are working with companies that are using our technologies. Got and it. we believe that's the scalable way to to solve the uh, unemployment underemployment problems, as mm. well as making services available. On a mainstream level, like you know, we still have work to do, but mm-hmm. we believe with this model, getting services in an easy way would be much easier to take to the entire Philippines right. than if we were to do it everything by ourselves. That's smart. That's very smart because now you don't have to deal with individuals. You work with your franchisees or some entities where you can actually just get the the, the message down and I guess uh, do b- better QA rather than going one is to one. Right. Uh, that's that's hard. Yeah. To Theoretically, yes, but we still need to get involved sometimes because okay. it's you know early days in the model. But mm. yeah, that's the idea. I mean, if we enable anyone 
who wants to sort of hustle to open his business, his or her business on, on MyCrea and employ a bunch of people in their community and provide right. a bunch of services to their area. I mean, that to me is a much more sort of exciting path to take than us doing everything by ourselves, which means we will not be able to do everything uh, by ourselves if okay. we intend to serve the Philippines. Now, on the demand side, since it's a marketplace, right? How did you do customer acquisition to get more people? Because before in, in Hikuya, you said that you, you were able to just uh, organically grow it. But this is an app. And apps are, not, are hard to scale. I know this because my first startup was at Party Files. Fucking yeah. Very, very hard. The customer acquisition cost was fucking. It was, it was so expensive. Yeah. But for you guys, how did you guys do that? Yeah, so I think we are we are still early uh, early stages in that sense because I still at every given point see better opportunities to improve the quality of our service and the way uh, our supply is managed and the way our services are provided and it, it has always I would say at least where we are today marketing has always been a second problem it was yep. never the first problem because. What I know, and, and I know we are still not there yet 100%, which is you want to be able to match instantly with the services you want. You want a smooth experience. You want the best person possible to come and help you with your task. And you want to do that in a very, very convenient way. I believe once we get there, customers would be flocking in. And that's the thing we should focus on. Mm. Because we've seen too many companies spent crazy amounts of money on marketing. Crazy amounts. I, I'm sure you've, you know, talked to some of them. You've seen it, you know, and I was cost one of, of them a billboard. Too. <laughs> like, yeah, like, it's you know, it's out. like, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a real problem. So we were like, that's not necessarily the direction that we want to take, at least in the first few years of our company. And we would rather invest all of our resources on making the best sort of, uh, customer experience, the best sort of supply available, the best type of, you know, journey that a customer could have. And the belief is that if we crack that one right, marketing it would be much easier. So in fact, I would say compared to our industry, we have been spending very, very little money uh, on marketing, even until today. I would say pandemic gave us a wave of new customers, probably yep. more that we could handle at the, at the very beginning. Mm -hmm. um, we have sort of presence in media. We share our stories. We tell about how our partners are doing to, to the public. And that's kind of what people, you know, would rather, you know, share about. And we believe that we, I mean, we would just rather spend our money towards improving the quality of our app, the quality of our service, because we know if we crack that one right, mm -hmm. uh, marketing would be a much easier journey than this really, really expensive sort of uphill battle um, so, so that's kind of something we are d doing differently. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's like marketing has never been the biggest problem. Uh, there were always other big problems, uh, right. that we would rather solve. All right. Now, uh, Shahab, let's take our last break. And when we come back, let's talk more about how you were able to grow and how you're able to adjust during the pandemic. And let's pay it forward to the rest of the hustle share land. Well, let's talk about that more after the break. 
Hey, Hustlers, it's time to talk business once again, and we're excited to share a bit more info about our sponsors, Sprout Solutions. And again, just like what I said at the start of the episode, you should check out Sprout's Payroll Starter as you grow your own startup. Because this bundle that they have is literally what you need to take your startup to the next level as you grow your employees. And this bundle is your key to freedom, including payroll outsourcing to experts, a subscription to timekeeping and attendance software, and government compliance services. Sprout's Payroll Starter has you covered for payroll, BIR, SSS, and taxes. All the stuff that no founder loves to do. So let Sprout handle the busy work and say goodbye to lines and tax payment stress. All this for as low as 5,000 pesos. Again, that's just 5,000 pesos all in for your payroll and HR needs. So visit sprout.eh payroll-starter-monthly-5k or again, just click the link in the description box of this episode to elevate your business management game. And again, big thank you to Sprout Solutions for liberating your time for what truly matters. Hey hustlers, wish there was an easy way to open a bank account and grow your money without the hassle of lengthy application process and income documents? Well, I got good news because today's sponsor, Uno Digital Bank, is here to help you achieve your financial goals. You can easily open an account with the Uno app in just five minutes and one valid ID. And as one of the six digital banks licensed by the Banco Central ng Filipinas, the company is committed to providing customers with simpler, better, and more accessible banking. Last year, Uno Bank was recognized by the Asia Banking and Finance Awards and bagged the title Open Banking Initiative of the Year due to the success of its partnership with Gcash, one of the Philippines' leading mobile wallet platforms. And with the Uno mobile app, you can access an hashtag Uno Ready Savings account and enjoy daily interest crediting. With their hashtag Uno Earn or hashtag Uno Boost Time Deposit accounts, you can enjoy a high interest rate of up to 6.5% per annum. Enjoy monthly payouts with hashtag Uno Earn and flexible tenors with hashtag UnoBoost. Other app features include pay bills, the Uno Virtual Debit MasterCard, life insurance, scan and pay with QRPH, and phones. And the one thing that I really love about Uno Digital Bank is they're open to collaborate with a lot of Filipino startups. I've had a chance to see the partnerships that they've had lined up with the startups that they have, and it's truly exciting to see how a digital bank like Uno can enable startups to unlock the power of fintech through digital banking. So if you're ready to elevate your banking experience, download the Uno mobile app today from the Google Play Store or App Store. Or if you want to collaborate with them, I'll be happy to give you an intro. Just shoot us an email at hello at huffleshare.com. Hey, Hustlers, I hope you're having a great 2024 so far. As you know, a lot of startups had a very challenging 2023, and hopefully things are going to do better this year for a lot of us. Not just because it's the year of the dragon, but also because our sponsor, Dragon Pay, is here to help your startups process payments in the most efficient way. Established in 2010, Dragon Pay empowers businesses of all sizes to accept and disperse payments through secure and convenient channels, giving your customers the flexibility to choose the payment method that suits them best. With over 85 partner channels, 35,000 partner branches nationwide, including QRPH, e-wallets, crypto, buy now, pay later, and many more. They also process an astonishing 15 million transactions processed globally each month. Dragon Pay is your trusted choice for online payments. And here's something to show you how legit Dragon Pay is. 
Dragon Pay was named Fintech of the Year at last year's Philippine Fintech Festival in 2020. So let's make 2024 extra prosperous for you and your startup in this year of the Dragon. For more details, head on over to dragonpay.ph. That's dragonpay.ph. Trust the pioneer, trust Dragon Pay. And we're back from the break. We're still with Shahab Shabibi, who now told us how they're able to grow and sustain my kuya uh, prior to doing that. But I'm very curious about one thing because um, not a lot of startups are blessed to have the not to not have the same problem as you because most of them actually, or most of us out here, are still uh, you know underwater in terms of customer acquisition, right? And and there's no. Um, one way to sustain growth that, 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 that that's always going to be there. But for you, you said that's not nev- never going to be the main problem per se. And is that a mixture of organic and paid ads? Or what are the things that you do well uh, in order to, to, to really make this uh, a sustainable effort without it being the number one problem then? Yeah. Yeah, so I would say feeling underwater is very normal, right? Like we live underwater. That's that's our mentality. Like <laughs> I don't think there has ever oh, been man. a time where we are like, yeah, I don't think there was ever a time where we are like, oh, everything is going very fine. No, it's not the case. Mm. Uh, of course, that's never the case. I think if you're doing that, you're probably playing a very small game because sure. uh, to because to play uh, the big games and win the big games, you you need to be underwater for you know extended times. Uh, but I, I would emphasize that it was never our biggest problem. So here is what happens. It's like, sometimes I look at our growth charts and I'm like, oh, we need to do better. This is not enough. But then when I think about what is the thing that we could do to help our growth, I always see product and supply quality improvements, uh, a, a much easier way to attain growth and a much more sustainable one, right? Because I think, and it's and this is this is a bit of real talk. I think our app can be a lot better. Our service quality can be a lot better. I think when you look at the market in the Philippines, I think consumers and businesses, for far too long, they've accepted low quality of technology and service. I think that's yes. that's always something that bothers me. And right? that's something that you also and, mentioned, Shahab, about you falling falling in love. That you, regardless if we go through. The worst shit in the world, 20 typhoons per year, fucking natural disasters, fucked up government. We still find a way to laugh. And that's called struggle porn, right? People people yeah. take advantage <laughs> of the Filipinos' um, ability to be resilient and just, you know, settle for less. And that's the flip side yeah. of it. Uh, but in, in, in this scenario, this is unacceptable because if you just settle, then you get me- mediocre results. That's exactly... I mean, you know, every time I see a startup putting their billboards all over Etsa, I'm like, wouldn't that money be better spent on improving the app, on improving the service quality? So that's our struggle. It's like every time we want to do paid ads, I have to really be able to convince myself that that money is not better spent if we do it on app improvements and service quality improvements. Because you can get short-term... Is free, though. <laughs> if you hustle and you have yeah. that for free, then fuck yeah, yeah do it. Right? Uh, uh, no, you're right. You're right. I think that's that's the way it goes. Sorry, but yeah, go go going back to what you were saying. Um, you know, you, you don't want to. You really have to second guess and, and really ask yourself why you don't want to spend that money, because you know it can yeah. be used for 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 the app improvement. 
I'm actually, you know, many times. In fact, until today, we could have been so much bigger if we if we had spent more money on the on the customer acquisition and marketing and things like that. Okay. But it's just this inner struggle of, you know, how many times do you see these, you know, ads all over the place in the Philippines, whether it's digital or online. But the company's service sucks, right? Yeah. And it's like that's the thing I, I hate, and and they always try to remind our team. I'm like, guys, if our service is not great. If our app has still bugs and people are not really happy about that, we cannot market our service. Correct. We have way more room to improve the service. And think about it the other way, where you go and invest all this money on your app and service quality improvements. You reach a point where your app is smooth. It looks amazing. The quality of the service is great. I mean, when you market something like that, people are going to be feeling amazing, right? right. Because it's, it's like... It is a struggle for me. In fact, I, it is an unpopular opinion that I have about this matter. Uh, I think sometimes our team even calls me out on it that, you know, this is not necessarily the way to go. But it's just I've been on the consumer end of things where I'm using my Internet. I'm using my SIM. I'm using my a bunch of services that I always see their ads. And I'm like, this service sucks. Like, I just don't want to see your ads anymore. Mm-hmm. And. I'm like, I would never want our customers to feel that way about my Kuya. Mm. And we have much room to improve our service quality, our, our app quality. And once we reach that point where we are like, I don't know even if we will be able to reach that point because it's always an ongoing journey. Yeah. But that's the thing. Like, I want us to market the hell out of our service mm-hmm. once our app is perfect and once our service quality makes everybody happy. Absolutely. So it's sticking right to the core before you resonate outside. Now, uh, Shahab, I'm also curious. So Machine Ventures is never just, I mean, I mean, the, the, the marquee is my Kuya, right? And I, I, I remember having several meetings with you with several of your uh, you know, fellow co-founders, if that's what you call them, of, on several ventures that I guess didn't really turn out well. Um, from those little, you know, or, or di- different berries of, of success, um, for those little, uh, I guess, uh, ventures that you do that did, didn't that didn't really materialize the way it wa- um, um, wanted to turn out on, what are the things mm-hmm. that you, number one, uh, learned? And number two, what are the things uh, or, or why didn't it fly the way, the way you expected it to? Yeah, I, I actually believe that if you work really, really hard on the thing that you want to work on, you can make it work. But the question is, what's the scale of the game that you're playing and how big is the win? And is it worth your time? Absolutely. So the biggest realization was that, you know, when we started with my career, uh, the scale of its impact, you know, in terms of jobs creation, in terms of making everyday life easier, and in terms of the early indicators that we got in the market, it was like, this is the biggest game we could play in the Philippines. It is literally the biggest thing um, I see myself, you know, doing um, in the Philippines market. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, we actually had a bunch of ventures that were revenue generating. They were somewhere even profitable. Uh, but but it, was, it, was, it was very tiny in comparison to what sort of my career can accomplish. Mm-hmm. And... You know, there is that, you know, one approach is to really diversify and have multiple bets and things like that. 
But there's another thing, which is if you control what happens to your basket, you know, it's okay to put, you know, your, your, your eggs all in, all in that single basket, right? Okay. So it was looking at my career and seeing that it has the biggest opportunity to be the tech company that comes out of the Philippines at a very sort of mainstream scale. Mm-hmm. Whereas the other businesses were, I would say, uh, smaller games we could have won those games we could have continued winning those games but the truth was nothing got me going more than it did uh with with my korea and you know focusing on that was was something that 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 was more reasonable for us Mm -hmm. and and it enabled us to allocate more resources towards my korea right Mm -hmm. uh so i think that's that's one thing which is i think you probably feel that with partifile too right if you spend more time, if you really, really wanted to make it work, you could. But the question is, is that worth your? I mean, your podcasts are amazing, right? Like that's mm-hmm. the thing that you know people love. They like to hear about. Uh, there's many other things people like you, people like me, can do. We can build products. Mm-hmm. We can build solutions. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's always a matter of, oh, is this venture going to be successful or not. I think a large part of it is, is that the game you want to play? Is the scale yeah. of it interesting to you? Is the type of game interesting to you? Or is the um, problem so big enough? To, 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 yeah. You know, that uh, uh, one, yeah. that you can, can you actually solve it, right? And um, in Party Files' uh, point of view, at least, I knew I tried, it, tried my hard, but I was too naive. I was too young. So a lot of that really yeah. came back to me. So the hustle was there. I mean, I worked harder back then, literally and phys- physically, emotionally, uh, you know, <laughs> mentally. But again, I, I didn't have enough reps under my belt. So I was making a lot of rookie mistakes and whatnot that eventually, if you pack it all up, led to its demise. Yeah. But um, the hustle is always well, going to be there. Experience mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a that's fun experience as well. I mean, we, what we have, and I really value and cherish that in, in, in machine is that we can test out ideas very quickly and we can do it very cheaply. I don't think I've mentioned this, you know, many times, but my, but Hey Kuya starting budget was $3,000. No way. Are you kidding me? Wow. That's, that's the initial capital that, that we had spent on it. And that's literally what got it going. Mm -hmm. Um, So, so that ability to test things fast and cheaply and Mm -hmm. know whether that's the game you want to play I think that's a very valuable thing. And actually, in between, we did a couple of uh, corporate projects. We, we helped out some of the conglomerates and the big companies in the Philippines to, to build startups you know, inside their organizations. Uh, that's something that we, we, we still practice every now and then. Okay. Uh, but the thing that keeps me up at night is my Korea. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So if, if you see Shahab... Uh, online at 12 midnight, he's probably online because of my <laughs> so Don't bug the That's guy. Right. Huh? He's probably thinking about <laughs> my career and all that. So, okay. I- I'm curious, Shahab, let's pay it forward to, to the startup founders. So, you mentioned that again, you're, you, you've now ingrained in machine uh, to you know, execute fast, you know, not, not overthink things, not uh, overanalyze things. But a lot of our listeners in Hustle Share are entrepreneurs. Or part of teams that are part of a you know high growth startup, I guess, or want to be entrepreneurs themselves, and they all have this idea that they want to uh, implement. What would be your tip for them who are probably in the very very early stages of what Maikuya and Heikuya was before, so that they can get to the validations fast? And how do they know they're in the right path? Yeah, so 
I, this is actually something that that worked for me very well, and 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 I would I would advise everyone the same, which is whatever you want to do, whatever like no matter what you want to do, there is this very fast, very cheap way to test it out. I'll tell you the Hakuya example. It's like we wanted to make service access easier. We wanted to create jobs. We wanted to sort of be this you know one stop shop for getting services and making it really easy. But then we asked ourselves, like, if we were, like, you need to put two limits on yourself. You have very little money and you have very little time. What would you do about that problem? And for us, it was, okay, in five days, we can make a single page website that says, hey, you want to get your tasks done? Here are two numbers that you can text to and get help from. And it was literally me and two interns. And we messaged on our social media, like we put a post on our social media, hey guys, we are testing this idea. The first hundred people to sign up will get access to this thing and we will take care of your tasks. So five days later, we had our first hundred customers and they were texting us, they were telling us what they need. And I remember I had so many uh, ideas about what people will want, but then once we tried that out, it was actually different and it became very clear on what people really, really want. So. My main advice is that whatever you want to do, keep that big idea, park it on the side. Now tell yourself, you have two main limits, time limit and money limit. How can you test this thing out? And I find these two limits to be actually very exciting, right? When you think about your big idea and how you would do it if you had no time and money, um, you actually get to some fun experiments and fun ways to start. And the thing you'll probably realize down the line is that what people want is not exactly what you thought about, but maybe you thought about roughly the right type of problem. Um, so, so, so I think that's that's the thing. I mean, had I not done that, we would have wasted so much time and money, um, and and that was that was quite rewarding in that sense. That is amazing. Now, okay, let's talk about the serious stuff, because uh, entrepreneurship <laughs> is again, if it keeps you up at night, then it can pretty much uh, creep into you both stress-wise and whatnot. Um, but for you. How do you keep? Uh, how do you stay sane? And what would be your advice for entrepreneurs who are going through the ups and downs, the roller coaster ride of entrepreneurship? Because again, not everybody's built for this shit. Because if it was easy, everybody would be a fucking a startup founder yeah. right now, right? <laughs> I swear. If people like, yeah, I can create a fucking startup founder. I can, I can create a, uh, an app, bruh. I fuck you not. It's easy. And then you see it in <laughs> Silicon Valley and HBO, but you have no fucking idea how hard this shit is. Yeah. For you, what would be your advice to make sure that you know the, the startup founders are staying sane, their mental health is pretty okay, and or I guess they, they cope with stress properly? How do you do that for yourself? Yeah, so I think that's a very <laughs> that's a very tough problem, right? So I think the first thing is to acknowledge that's not a like I can just purely give you the answer, right? It's it's something that takes a, a lot of effort, and every situation is often different. Mm-hmm. But you must want the game, right? Because because it's really important, right? Like if you don't want it, you shouldn't do it. Like if you're not willing to take it, you shouldn't do it. So oftentimes when, when, when stuff get pretty crazy for me and it gets really intense and, you know, you start to get really affected by it, I tend to remind myself that, Hey, you signed up for this. It's like, you wanted this. Like, it's not like, you know, you didn't know it and you didn't want to do this. So kind of putting myself in that situation where I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, like I wanted this. I think that that's, that's mm-hmm. kind of helps to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't give a hundred percent answer where I'm like, oh, do this and it will work. No, it's not the no. case. I still mm-hmm. struggle sometimes myself. Mm-hmm. 
Correct. And then the other thing is that if you get to uh, really painful, stressful situations, um, I think, you know, Ray Dalio talks a lot about this, which is pain is a signal for you, right? Every time you feel pain, you should feel happy because it's telling you that's the area that you need to solve. So treating pain as a signal uh, is, 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 is often helpful um, and, and helps you to, to kind of know what needs to be done. And then the other thing is just like get to it and get it done, right? Like I, do, I don't tolerate pain uh, and stress for extended times. So if I see a type of stress or pain is coming in a certain part of our business, sometimes it's marketing, sometimes it's sales, sometimes it's tech, you know, sometimes it's people, sometimes it's myself, it's get to it and, and just hustle through it. Like we don't tolerate the problems that we feel. And I think I would rather have five sleepless nights and then sleep properly after that than yeah. to be quite affected by it, but not so much for a very extended period. So I think it's, it takes a certain type of personality and, and character, but um, sometimes, yeah, it, it still happens. And, you know, the way I look at it is that, look, I wanted this. Number two, that pain is a signal. Number three, just get to solving what needs to be done and get done with it. So it's, it's, it's better to lose sleep straight for five days and then feel relieved after than yep. to be always a bit bothered for a very extended time period. Correct. And again, um, that, that's absolutely true because at the end of the day, that, that pain can also just uh, become a win down the road. So if you're, if you're not absolutely, you know, that's, <laughs> that's the thing that keeps me running because I always think about the most painful experiences. I mean, Shutting down Heikuya after YesBoss changed their direction, that was extremely painful. You know, like it, it, it was really, really painful because our company was growing like crazy and doing that just seemed like nuts. But then I look at it, I'm like, hey, my Kuya came down out of it, right? Mm. So the thing is, those good things will not happen by themselves, right? Not every mistake is going to re result into a win later down the road. It's only because of you, right? right? So I tend to focus is like, okay, here is a failure. Here, here is a cause of stress. Uh, what's the thing I can do that can turn this into a win, right? How can I make sure that I, myself, our team, our future ventures, are the things that we're going to do in the future are not going to have this mistake? And when you kind of look at it that way, uh, you can actually pretty much make every mistake worth it, right? And 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 look at it with a very positive eye. But you're, look, you're you're hearing this from me now. But uh, <laughs> you know, when it gets stressful, it's uh, uh, still a real problem, right? And absolutely. and and one one other important thing I've seen is that every time you face a challenge, you're like, yeah, next time you know, this comes around, you know, I'm going to be ready and it's going to be great. But the truth is the next problem you're going to face is really different okay. than, than what you are facing today. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it always surprises me, I would say, okay. to a certain extent. It's like you keep getting confident that, okay, now I know how to hire people. I'm not going to repeat this mistake again. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, next time you do a very different mistake where you're like, oh, you know, like that's just very different than what I experienced mm -hmm. before. Correct. But one thing that you can actually be better of, and this is, I, I speak uh, 
for myself on this was is how you react. Because when I was younger, mm-hmm. I would fucking react like a motherfucker, right? <laughs> like I would, yeah. It's real highs and real lows, right? And what I, yeah. one thing, one one thing that I really realize is the problem's gonna be the same, the stress is gonna be the same, <laughs> but my reaction, I can be more even keeled. I don't, I don't get too high, I don't yeah. get too low because I know. <laughs> Today, tomorrow is going to be very different. I can be fucking with something different, uh, di- yeah. uh, totally. But I can be in total control yeah. of how I react so that I don't get too crazy. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I have I have a funny story to share with you about this. Like some time ago, one of our teammates came to me and shared with me a very problematic bug that we were facing in our okay. uh, in, in our app. And I was like, just looking at it, I'm like, hmm, okay, like we need to solve this. And he's like, you seem pretty chilled out about this problem. I was like, you know, if I had to react to every problem that I face yeah. with real, as real as it gets, Gusto. like I would be insane, <laughs> you know, like I would be like pulling my hair every single second. So That's like, why I have I'm buzz. I, I don't have hair because to prevent myself from doing that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's like you oh, kind of need man. to be aware of the problems and the challenges. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would say staying calm. And yeah. focusing on what needs to be done, um, I, I do find myself, you know, most quiet. I wouldn't say relaxed, but most mm-hmm. quiet in the most stressful times. Like that's the yeah. time where I'm like, don't worry about everything else. Just focus on solving this. Yeah. It's just another problem. Once you solve it, it's going to unlock growth, right? Correct. A lot of the times when you treat the biggest problems, you grow after it. You grow in numbers. You grow in the way you look at yourself. Mm-hmm. So. It's it's almost like I look at it as this is another challenge. It's almost like you 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 know you you uh, solve that problem and you unlock the next stage, right? If yeah. you gamify it for yourself, it's mm-hmm. like what you need to do to get to the next level. Totally. And uh, one thing I also do uh, to share is that whenever I feel like oh shit, there's a problem, and I feel like there's unwanted emotion that could cloud my judgment in that, I walk away for a bit. I release that emotion yeah. when I fucking walk, whatever, uh, anything that would distract me and get me, let me get rid of that emotion. So I'm totally even keeled and totally focused in just solving that problem. Because any little signs like, oh shit, I'm fidgeting and you know, all these things, that's sign of emotion and stress. Yeah. Now, I, I'm not in Absolutely. a fit position to make decisions and solve a problem if I am emotional. So I want to make sure that I step totally. away, you know, get my, get my mind right. You know what I'm saying? And then, um, Get, attack uh, the 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 thing, but again, Shahab. Unfortunately, I we have to end this episode soon. And again, thank you very much for being on Hustle Show. Yeah, thanks for I'm, having me. I'm very very curious. Um, what's next for my Kuya now? Especially during the pandemic, you said it it, it opened up a bunch of new opportunities for you. And I'm keen keen to know. And uh, if they want to check out my Kuya and see what you guys have have up in store, how do they do that? Yeah, so, so, you know, visit our website, mykuya.com. You can access our app on your web, uh, on mobile, on, on your computer, or download it from, you know, the App Store or Google Play. Actually, we have an exciting update that we will be releasing sometime in November nice. uh, ahead of the holidays, which will, I would say, significantly improve the user experience and make it a lot easier to, to, to get access to our services. Uh, that's going to be pretty fun. Um, you know, we, we are going to have a bunch of new services and literally work on making MyFia a super app for every day 
things and you know make it super easy for people to get things done uh so that's that's what's next for us we are expanding our offerings to businesses we have now mk enterprise solutions which focuses on providing services to businesses uh, and being that flexible uh, service and labor partner where you tell us what you need and we will get it for you. Uh, that's, that's kind of, you know, another thing that we are, you know, working on and empowering more businesses to digitize their operations. I think that's something that consumers would see less of, but it's more towards the business owners and service providers because the pandemic really showed us uh, how you know digital businesses can be more resilient, yeah. and enabling more businesses to 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 go that direction um, is is also part of our agenda. It's amazing. Again, Shahab, thank you very much. But before I let you go, follow us on whatever podcast app you're listening to, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or whatever. Just go ahead and follow that button. And if you did say some jargon, it's going to be the show notes on hustleshare.com. And if, again, if you want to grow uh, the the show with us uh, go to the Hustle Share community on Facebook and lastly message us in our chatbot at m.me slash Hustle Share powered by Chatbot H to give us feedback and how you want to suggest guests in this podcast again thank you very much Shahab awesome to be here thanks for it appreciate it and I'll see you guys in the next episode peace